I want to go ahead and read the scripture. First thing this morning, uh, before we really get into the theme, before we really get into the sermon, I want to go over the scripture with you uh, first and foremost, and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into it. I'll give you some context, and we'll, uh, we'll discover uh, our theme for today. But it comes from Romans 12, as you can see, verses uh, 1 and 2, a short little piece of Scripture. And it reads, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and to approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. That is the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> so if that scripture sounds very, very, very familiar to you, um, it probably should because we actually, uh, we didn't go over it in depth a couple weeks ago, but we did talk about it and we used it as a reference. When we were talking about language, we, we dove a good bit into the book of James and we talked about words and language and uh, the words that we use and how words carry power. Uh, particularly words that are focused towards other people or about other people. And we looked at verse 2 um, here in Romans 12, that first part that says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be renewed by the, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about, well, what does that have to do with language? Well, popular culture today, particularly in America, I would argue, um, values things such as disparaging language against other people. Um, it's cool to be sarcastic also, for example. We can, use holy, we can use our language and our words for holy purposes, or we can use them for evil purposes. And uh, what we read here in verse 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We apply that to the words that we use, and as opposed to the, what the world typically values right now, we talked about the language and the words that God values, the language and words that Jesus talked about, and specifically the language and words that James talks about which are grossly different, vastly different uh, from what the, word value, the world values and the way that we use our language, our words. We, uh, Christ values kindness. He values gentleness. He values self-control, those types of things. So anyway, that's what we utilize verse 2 for, and that's probably why you recognize it um, so well this morning, if you do recognize it. Also, what I told you guys a couple weeks ago was back in 2019, um, at the end of 2019, I really felt that God was, was pushing me at my former church to... Go over the entire chapter of Romans 12. And uh, because of the pandemic, uh, we got interrupted doing that. I never got to complete it. Uh, we, we, we probably got through a few verses, but I just, I never, I don't even know that we probably didn't even get halfway through the chapter before we had to stop meeting. I feel, again, that God's kind of pushing me in that direction. And I want to talk about Romans 12 with you guys. We probably won't talk about it every week. I'll probably divide it up, you know, here and there, here and there. But Romans 12 is a beautiful, beautiful piece of Scripture for number one reason. It describes what a church should look like. It describes what a church, particularly a local congregation, also, I guess, the global body of Christ should look like. How a church should think, how a church should operate, how a church should exude or, or uh, should show the love of Christ through its actions that, of course, begin in our hearts. And it's all about church. It's all about church life. It's not just about apply, applying some some of these principles to our individual lives, it is that, but it's also a communal thing. And we've talked about that before, that God didn't call us necessarily just as individuals, but that it, the church itself should reflect a lot of these moral values, a lot of these ethical values, 
Not just a few of us, not just a sprinkling of us here and there, but the entirety of the church. And that's what Romans 12 is all about. So I just really feel that, that God's kind of calling me and pushing me in that direction to talk about some of this stuff with you guys. Romans 12 is a beautiful, beautiful summation of what the church of Christ should look like. It's a beautiful, gives us a beautiful understanding of what it could look like for us to reveal the kingdom of God to our community, to particularly to non-believers. And I think as we go through it, um, what you'll see is you're going to see a lot of similarities between what Paul writes in Romans 12 and the very words of Christ in the Gospels, particularly um, in the Sermon, of the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, which of course is one that you guys know that I love. More than likely, we're not going to get any further today uh, than verse 1. So I want to reread it to you. And I'm going to reread it really, really slowly. And when I do this, what I want you to do is I want you to try to absorb every single word. Every single word. A lot of times when we approach Scripture, we, wanna, we, wanna, we just want to breeze through it. We want to we we, we read as much as we possibly can without really soaking it in, without really taking it in, without really allowing God's Spirit to speak to us when we, speak, when we, when we read Scripture. Give yourself that time. Give yourself that time to soak those words in. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, notice the plural there. He's not just talking to an individual. He's talking to a church here. He's talking to a, a communal group of people, a community. I urge you, brothers and sisters, why? Why do you urge me, Paul? In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, again, plural, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, this is your true and your proper worship. There is a whole lot of depth in that one little tiny verse. There's a whole lot of depth in that one little verse. One of the jokes that I've heard over the years is the problem with living sacrifices is they like to get up off the, off the altar. And that's us. A number of years ago, when Sandy and I first came into a relationship with, with Christ, a, a real relationship, um, and we, we, we both tell this story very, very often, um, we, had a, we had a transformation of our lives that occurred at the same time. <clears throat> and uh, anyway... When that first happened to us, we started reading a book, and it's a book that all of you are probably familiar with. Um, and it's about a 20-year-old book. It's been around for a long time. Um, but it was called, it is called, The Purpose Driven Life uh, by Rick Warren. And Sandy and I sat down, and, and, we, and we read that book together. Actually, you go through it over, uh, over a 40-day period. It's divided up into, into 40 different sections, and the idea is to go through it uh, with another person, or at least one other person, through that whole period of 40 days. Uh, it's one of the most best-selling books in, 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 the, last 20, in the last 20 years in, in, uh, among Protestants anyway. I think it's sold somewhere in the area of about 50 million copies thus far. And again, you can't go into a used bookstore without seeing these things. They're all, they're all over the place. And I'm sure many of you have probably read that book as well. <clears throat> and it's, as the title suggests, it is about the purpose of our lives. Why am I here? What was I placed here for? Those types of things. And it answers these questions. And one of the coolest things about this book is the very first line in chapter 1. Does anybody happen to remember that? 
I know some of y'all probably read it. I know you do, Sandra. The very first sentence in chapter 1 says, It's not about you. And you could pretty well close the book at that point. Because that's what the entirety of that book is about. And that's what the entirety of the Bible is about. That's what the entirety of Scripture is about. That's what the entirety of Christianity is about. It's not about you. That's what Romans 12.1 is about. It's not about you. I ain't the center of the universe. It's not about me. It's about something bigger than me. And that's what Pastor Warren's book gets into. It's about something bigger than us. You know, we can reap. There's certain benefits that we can certainly reap and certain blessings that we're going to reap as disciples of Jesus. He tells us that. Scripture tells us that. We're going to be blessed in various ways. But at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about God. It's about the Holy Spirit. As we discussed last week, it's about grasping and applying the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. That power that we have been so graciously and generously given. Verse 1, again, it's disappeared on me, that's all right. It's all about sacrificial living. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Living lives where we are not the center of attention. Where we take a back seat to God. Where we take a back seat to other people. Where God takes place first, first place in our hearts. Other people take pl first place in our hearts. So that's our main focus today, is those two little words, sacrificial living. Off your bodies as a living sacrifice. Sacrificial living. That's our main, main point for today. A couple interesting things about the letter to Romans, uh, the, the entire book of Romans. It's, uh, it's the longest of Paul's letters, and uh, actually Paul had never been to the churches in Rome. He'd never personally been there when he wrote this. Um, but it was written to these dispersed churches in the Roman area. Many of them, there were, there, were, there were a number of them. Predominantly, they were house churches that were being led by both, by both uh, women and men. That you'll, and you can find that in chapter 16. It was a very diverse group of people. Um, a lot of Jews were, were part of the church. A lot of Gentiles were part of that church there in Rome. Part of um, Romans, the, the, the whole book of Romans is, is written from a pastoral point of view. That's what we see here in Romans 12. It's interesting because we tend to think of Romans as a, as a doctrinal or a theological book, and it is up through about uh, chapter 11. But when we get to chapter 12, we start seeing some very, very practical things that Paul puts down. How do we practice church? Who are we as a church? Those types of things. So while the first 11 chapters kind of focus on theology and doctrine, we get these ethical ex exhortations from Paul and how we apply these things in the church again, again, again. This is about the church. Certainly, 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 we can, be, we can live sacrificially as individuals, but also it applies to the community. More so, it applies to everybody, everybody. One person is not the church. If I split this thing down the middle, half of y'all are not the church. It's the whole thing. It's talking to all of us. It's talking to all of us. In the first verse here in chapter 12, in Paul's way of thinking, and I agree with him 100%, Paul believes that right living or right practice is developed through right thinking and right believing. In other words, if we, in our hearts, not just intellectually, but in our hearts, if we're believing the right things, the right applications, or at least the desire for the right applications, should flow from that. If we believe in our hearts that Jesus truly is the Christ, 
we believe in our hearts the atonement through his death, burial, resurrection. That should come out in the way that we act. It should produce in us a desire for the kind of sacrificial living that we're talking about. And Paul tells us that. He gives us our motive right here in the scripture. Why do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? Somebody answer it. It's right there, word for word. In view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. We live sacrificial lives not because we're trying to make God happy, not because we're trying to, to please Him or not please Him, or because we're trying to earn something. We live lives that reflect lives of sacrificial living for no other purpose than in view of God's mercy for us. How much do we truly, truly appreciate what God has done for us? Because I'm going to tell you, if we truly, truly appreciate what Christ has done for us on the cross, what God has done for us, through his son, it should produce this stuff in us. We should have lives that are, that are bleeding thankfulness, lives that are bleeding gratitude, lives that are bleeding worship and love for God and love for neighbor. For what reason? No other reason than in view of what he has done for us. In view, because of what he has done for us, that should produce in us this desire. If it's not, something's amiss. If we don't care anymore what Christ has done for us and we're not reflecting this, something is grossly, grossly amiss in our lives. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice because of what God has done for you. In view of God's mercy for you, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. What does a living sacrifice mean? Followers of Christ completely yield themselves to God. Followers of Christ completely yield themselves to God, they yield themselves to Jesus, and they yield themselves to the ideas that we push so hard in these last few weeks, being and making disciples. Being and making disciples. This is our life. This is who we are. That's what we are. Guess what? It's not about us. It's not about self-pleasing. It's not about exerting my will. It's about exerting the will of God. Why? In view of God's mercy. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful for what Christ has done for me. It's producing this desire to serve others and to serve God and stop serving myself. Daily laying aside our desires, our personal desires, to follow Him. Putting all of our resources, our time, completely at His disposal. This, by the way, is your true and your proper worship. That should grab us by the gut. That should grab us by the gut. What's your true and proper worship look like? It's how we live our lives. Are we living these sacrificial lives? Because that's how we worship God. That is what reveals our true worship our true love, our true nature towards God. Are we living these sacrificial lives? Because that's how we worship Him. I know we worship together on Sundays, 
But this is another aspect. This is another bigger aspect. How we live sacrificially will reveal if we are properly worshiping God in our lives. Yielding. Yielding. Yielding is the ultimate act of worship to God. Total, total commitment. This word bodies, offer your bodies as a living and sacrifice, can uh, have a couple meanings here in, Rome, in the first, first verse here, Romans 12. It can be both individuals, and as I mentioned before, it was also applied to the house churches, the churches that were meeting in Rome. So it's really got two applications, individually and, of course, communally. It's very important, too, to understand what that word offer means. Okay? To offer our bodies, to offer the things that we are, the things that we do in worship of God, to offer our bodies is to do so voluntarily because we want to, because we have this desire, because of our thankfulness and our gratefulness to God. To offer something is a voluntary act. It's not coerced. It's not because we feel like we're being made to do something or we're being forced to do something. It's completely voluntary. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy living this type of life because of God's mercy that I'm thankful for. I'm going to serve him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, Paulette. I'm going to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to serve my brothers and my sisters. Why? Because I offer voluntarily my body, my mind, my resources as a living sacrifice to God. Forced Christianity is not Christianity. Coerced Christianity is not Christianity. It's a voluntary act. It is voluntary acts. How we live our lives daily because of our relationship with God. So what are some ways we can do this beyond, beyond just the idea of like general obedience to God, those types of things. We know how to obey God for the most part. We know the big commandments, the big ten, and uh, the big two that we've talked about so much. So let's look at it as individuals, for example. How can we live this uh, outside of our general knowledge of uh, just obedience to God? One way is worship. <clears throat> and uh, now I am talking about Sunday, wor Sunday morning worship, and I am talking about individuals. How do we worship? How do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice on Sunday mornings when we come here to worship? We show up, and we don't just worship with our mouths, but we worship with our whole being. And that can look different for different people. And I said that last week or the week before one. It may be raising your hands in worship. It may be bowing your head in worship. It may be kneeling. It may be come to the altar. But that's how we sacrifice our bodies. It's as we gather together for worship. As individuals and, of course, as the church, too. It's not about just being a passive audience, y'all. I'm sorry, but you're not an audience. You're, you're a congregation. And we're not called to come here and just be passive, to sit and just to listen to a few songs and go home on Sundays after Sundays and continue to live like heathens the rest of the week. Kev, what Kevin and Daryl and Georgia and Bill and, all, and Paulette and all these who are part of our praise team do, they're not here to entertain you. They're not here to entertain you. They're not here to entertain me. They're here to worship God and to praise God as part of what we do as a congregation. We're not called, again, to just sit here passively when they're doing that. And I'm not saying everybody's got to get up and act all you know, ooh, chaotic or anything like that. 
But the Spirit of God is here with us. And when Kevin and Daryl and all these folks get up and do what they do, it ain't like going to a concert. We're not here to observe. We're here to worship. We're here to love, and we're here to show that worship to God. So there's one way we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to individuals. We can be Christians intellectually, but we're also called to live out of our faith as individuals. It's not, it goes beyond the head. We've talked about that. We reflect God's love in our words, our attitudes, our emotions, and our actions. Offering our bodies could be doing physical work in service of God and others. I love the expression that the way that you spell love is T-I-M-E. I love that expression because there's so much truth in that. What you love the most is what you're going to engage in your time the most. Okay? That'll reveal your idols to you real quick, by the way. What do you spend the most time thinking about? What do you spend the most time doing in your lives? Is it God or is it something else? Time. T-I-M-E. There's one way that we can live sacrificially. Give of our time to God's service and to the service of other people. I had a, uh, I had a former elder, a former district superintendent, actually, in my, in my last church. He was, he was in his 90s. And even in his retirement, even in, in, even, in, even in his frailty, one of the things that he would do is he would go to the hospital all the time, pretty much every day, pretty much every day. And he would just go see people in the hospital, whether he knew them or not. He'd find out people were in the hospital. Hey, I just came by to speak to you and pray for you. This is a dude in his 90s. This is a person who's sacrificially given their time. This is a person who's living sacrificially. How are we living in service? How can I live in service? Offering my time to other people for those purposes. Here's one that we're going to talk about real quick, and I hope I don't make anybody mad with it, but another way that we do that is we put our legs to action through social work. We put our legs to action through social work. What does that look like? We gotta, we ha I'll tell you what it looks like. <clears throat> we have a predominantly, best of my knowledge, we have a predominantly conservative church here. I'm going to assume the vast majority of us are pro-life, for example. Are we spending more of our time making comments on social media in regards to being pro-life? Are we actually putting legwork to doing something about it? Are we volunteering with Call to Care of Lowndes County? For example, there's one way we can do it. Are we putting feet to our words, or are we just all words? Are we, Georgia, <clears throat> if you have a desire, you have a passion for homeless people, for the hungry, for the naked, for the sick, are we getting involved with LAMP right here in our community? Other organizations that address these issues, are we giving them our time, or are we just all talk? What about volunteering at a food bank, a homeless shelter? What about global poverty? A lot of us have feelings about global poverty, for example. We've got a minister right here in the South Georgia Conference who does all kind of work, particularly in Africa, as far as addressing global poverty and the conditions that they are in. Are we involved with this ministry personally? Or are we just all talk? We're not going to change the world through talking. We're not going to change the world through our social media posts or through our political opinions. We're going to change the world by doing what Christ told us to do, and that is to go out and be Jesus Christ to the world. 
That's how we live sacrificially. I don't see anywhere in the Bible, I don't see anywhere in the words of Paul, I don't see anywhere in the words of Jesus where he says, where any of them say, get with Caesar and get them to figure out all these problems. Let Caesar go do the work of the church. No. It's the work of the church. It's our work. And we need to be more action and less talk when it comes to these issues that we claim to be so concerned about. And we should be concerned about. It's not their job to do our job. And we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of engaging so much time in the political sphere trying to get the church's work done. It ain't their job. It's our job. It's our job. Christ commands the church to do these things, not governments. Get a little carried away, I'm sorry. <clears throat> we superficially love the world when we're all talk and no action. Offering our bodies necessitates taking care of them, by the way. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice necessitates that we take care of them. Methodism has a rich history of this idea of taking care of the way that we live, taking care of our bodies. Taking care of our bodies through the what, what we eat, what we put in our bodies. We talked about that this morning in our Sunday school class, as a matter of fact. Don't do stuff that's bad to us, even if it brings us some kind of temporary pleasure. Uh, we need to encourage each other in this area. We need to encourage one another to take care of each other. Because here's the thing, we can't serve God and we can't serve others adequately or effectively if we're in poor health due to bad lifestyle choices. I know that's something we don't talk about a whole lot. But that's one way to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Take care of ourselves so that we can adequately serve God and adequately serve our neighbors. So what about the church? That's individuals I was talking about. What about the church? What about the body of the believers? How do we practice sacrificial living? We worship together. We practice the Sabbath together. And that's what you guys are doing here today. We're practicing the Sabbath together. Understand that the Sabbath is not to hurt us. The, Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath is not something, again, that we do begrudgingly. The Sabbath was a gift from God. The Sabbath is a, is a gift. It's a gift of grace. It's something God gives us this day of leisure to worship Him and to reflect and to relax <laughs> after putting in so many long, long hours. So we participate in that together on the Sabbath. Here's another way that we, that we work together as living sacrificially as the church. We participate in the church's ministries. Participate actively in the church. I'm trying to get on nobody. But we participate in, actively in the church's ministries. It's not about just showing up here for an hour on Sunday morning and holding down a church pew. Am I active? Am I engaging in the various ministries of the local church? Living sacrificially. We go beyond the church, even. We do, we do works with other organizations, other churches. I mentioned Call to Care a little bit earlier. There's all kinds of organizations, all kinds of other churches that we can work together with to show Christ to our community. Churches that, are, churches that are inwardly focused are going to die, by the way. If, if, we, if all we care about is what we do inside the walls of this building, we're going to die. And uh, that's, just, that's just the sad fact of the matter. What's this got to do with sacrificial living? Well, it kind of does and, and not really, but it just kind of came to me. If all we care about is what's going on in this building, we're pretty much breathing our own death rattle. If we stop caring about what's going on outside these walls, outside in our community, number one, we're not living. We're not living and doing the will of Christ. We're definitely not living sacrificially. But we're just breathing our own death rattle. 
It's not about me. Daryl, it ain't about you. Sandy, it's not about you. Jerry, it's not about you. It's about us. It's about God. It's about the church. It's about Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit. And engaging in that sacrificial living. Sacrificial living causes us. Sacrificial living causes us to engage outside of the walls of our comfort zone here in the church. You can't do evangelism very well if you're sticking inside, if you're staying inside. And that's our duty. And that's, that's another beautiful example of living sacrificially. The community of faith, sacrificial living, becomes a church, becomes a place where service to others, service to God, trumps the idea of competition and it trumps the idea of self-serving behaviors and actions. They are places, they are states of mind where humility outweighs pride and where generosity, love, patience are hallmarks of the redeemed lives in authentic communities of faith. When I, did, when I started doing this at my former church, I, I wanted them to, uh, to kind of recite this mantra that we are a Romans 12 church. Kind of like you guys to maybe start doing that too. This is powerful stuff. This is very, very powerful stuff. And this is just the beginning of the chapter, by the way. <laughs> it's, one, it's one little tiny verse. And it just gets better from there. This is a model for the church 2,000 years ago. It's a model for us today. We are called to be a Romans 12 church, a sacrificial church who worships Jesus Christ, that worships Jesus Christ through sold-out obedient love for God and sold-out obedient love for our neighbor. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, your word challenges us. It challenges us as individuals, certainly. It also challenges us as churches. <clears throat> but we thank you for it. God, we do fall short. I fall short. I'm not going to lie about that. I'm not going to pretend that I'm any better than anybody else. But I want to be, and I pray for my church that they want to be as well. God, I pray that you would make us that. I pray, God, that you would make us a church that exemplifies the idea of sacrificial living so that Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, can be seen in us and through us. And I pray that we can take that out to the community, God. I pray that your spirit will be just, just filled. I pray that this congregation would just be filled with your spirit and that your spirit within us would be undeniable as we engage our friends, our neighbors, our families, and our community. Be with us in this time of communion, God. Help us to be aware of the sacredness of this, of this sacrament and your presence that is here with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.